Well, good morning. I hear a certain sorrow in the air. I'm not really sure why. Maybe we all just need to take a moment of silence as we wait for next season. <laughs> but you know, what's happening in here this morning and what's happened here this weekend is much more important than any football game, right? Like half of you believe that. I said, <laughs> what's happening in here and what's happened over here this weekend is more important than any football game, right? Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Because, man, let me tell you, God has been doing just some absolutely fantastic things in our church and in the lives of people. And, you know, that's what really matters is that people are connecting to God in a real way and people are learning to love Him and learning out of their love for Him, learning to love people and out of their love for people they serve and they give. And that's what it's all about is loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And last week we had uh, Danny Cahill. Did you guys enjoy Danny? Those of you who were able to make it out? Yeah, it was great. And I, I, I loved uh, Danny coming and, and talking. And one of the things that really stood out to me that he said is uh, he was talking about finding your why. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this title, The Why to Overcome. You can also uh, follow along on the Version app. If you have that on your iPhone or Android device, you can... Uh, Click on version and click live and you can search for an event and you can follow along on the notes this morning and use the Bible there or you can, uh, like me, use uh, just a regular Bible. But this week I, I have a couple of special guests with me and I'm so glad they're here. This is Rob Crawford and Nikki Hebing and uh, they're personal trainers at Anytime Fitness and Rob is my personal trainer and Nikki is my wife Holly's personal trainer and uh, I've learned a lot from both of these individuals and I wanted to invite them here today to come and share some of their experiences and wisdom on how we can find our why to overcome. So would you do me a favor and give them a big word of grace welcome this morning. You know, as we're talking about finding our, the, the why to overcome, finding that reason, a, a lot of times people think that just because I'm a Christian that everything's just going to go great and, you know, if, if I do this and this and this that my life is going to be free of challenge. Let me tell you something, folks. God never promised a life free of challenge. God never promised a life that would be free of obstacles or, or temptations or struggle. You know, even Jesus himself, the only perfect man to have ever lived, Jesus Christ himself, when he was walking here on this earth, was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in every way we're tempted. So if Jesus Christ was tempted, then don't you think that you and I are probably going to go through, through some temptations and some trials and some things in our own lives? Absolutely we are. It's not really whether or not we're going to go through anything because we've already established that whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you're going to go through things. The thing is, how do you handle it when you go through it? How do you react? How do you respond? Where do you run to? Where do you go when the pressure is put on? What do you go to? Who do you go to? What do you run to for your safety, for your security, for your comfort, for your peace, for direction, for guidance? Where do you go? Because we're going to go through challenges. God never promised us a life free of challenge. I want to show you here in the Word of God. Uh, you can follow along with me in the book of James. We're going to look at the very first chapter. James wrote in the first chapter and the 12th verse. He said this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Look at somebody and say endures. Let's try this again. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Look at somebody and say endures. There you go. Endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James says that blessed is the man who endures. 
who perseveres, who doesn't give up, who doesn't throw in the towel when it gets hard, who doesn't say it's not worth it. Blessed is the man who doesn't do that. Blessed is the man who keeps on keeping on, who presses through the challenges that life may bring. I want you to look at Matthew in the 10th chapter, the words of Jesus as he's talking to his disciples. He's about to, um, uh, he's letting them know what's going to happen after he ascends to heaven. He says, listen guys, it's not going to be the easiest thing when I leave because there's going to be people that don't really like you and it's going to be because you followed me that the reason that they're not going to like you and they're going to persecute you. And he was telling them about these persecutions that were coming. This is what he said in Matthew 10 and verse 22. He said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. He who endures, he who keeps on going, he that presses on, that doesn't give up when it gets difficult or hard. You know, endure, persevere, don't quit, don't lose hope. We hear these things a lot, but the only way that you're ever going to be able to endure is if you find that reason, that why to overcome. Because if you don't, what ends up happening is the same thing that happens to every one of us at some point in our lives is that we give up on things too prematurely because it gets difficult. A lot of times you could be right around just that corner of having a breakthrough in your life, but we give up because sometimes it just gets too hard and the pressure is too great or it doesn't look like what we're doing really counts. It looks like what we're doing is not really making any real progress or at least at the, at the rate and the speed that we would like to see the progress made. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A lot of times I'm not seeing the change I wanted to see and I made all these good decisions. And I'm not seeing it happen the way I wanted it to happen or how quickly I would want it to happen. Or it happened for them this way. Why isn't it happening for me this way? A lot of times we try to can God and we try to put God into a formula and we try to say, well, God did this for so-and-so and they did this, this, and this. So I'm going to do exactly what they did and now I'm just waiting. Okay, God, when are you going to do this for me just like you did for them? And a lot of times we don't see that happen because God is meeting those people where they're at. And you don't know where they're at because you don't know their faith. You don't know the whole situation. You don't know what's going on. So we have to trust God above all else and not just look at him to be this cookie cutter God that will just do the same thing the same way every single time. You remember me sharing you, with you the story about Jesus when he healed the blind man. One time he prayed for the blind man and the guy received a sight and laid hands on him. There was another time that a blind man came to him and Jesus spit on the ground and made mud pies and rubbed mud in the guy's eyes and he was healed. He didn't do it the same way. Same results, but he didn't do it the same way. Now, a lot of us, we would want to get goofy and go start having a mud pie ministry. And we would want to go sell mud pies that Jesus spit on and thinking that they were magical. It, it, listen, that's not what it was about. Are, are you hearing me this morning? It, it's about Jesus showing, listen, everybody's in a different spot. Everybody's in a different place. And they all had the same result, but they got there different ways. You know, sometimes Jesus laid hands on people. Sometimes he spoke to them from a distance. Sometimes he didn't even have to be there at all, but the result was always the same. Are you getting this? Because a lot of times we'll look at someone else and, and we get jealous or, or we'll think that God doesn't love us as much as he loves someone else because he's not doing for us what he did for someone else. Well, there must be something wrong in my life or God must not like me. I must not have enough gold stars by my name in heaven. Is that how God works? Is he working on a gold star system? Oh, I saw you do something good. Gold star, gold star. Well, next time you pray, boy, you're going to get lucky. Is that how it works? No. 
That's not how it works. That's how our minds work here on this earth, thinking that we have to somehow earn God's love or we have to earn his blessing or earn his favor. Now, God does want us to get our lives in line and there are natural blessings that will come from us getting our lives in line with his word. But at the same time, we don't earn God's blessing. We don't earn God's love. We don't earn his favor. It's a gift. He gives us grace for free. That's why the Bible says that grace is a gift, that salvation is a gift. It's not of works, lest any man should boast, but you're saved by grace through what? Faith. Through trusting in God, through believing in Him, you're saved by grace through faith. You know, too many people give up way too easily when it gets difficult. They think there's no hope for them. There's no hope for my marriage. There's no hope for my finances. It's just always been this way. I was raised up in a house. We never had anything, and I guess I'm not going to have anything. And, oh, God bless my kids. I hope they make something of themselves because they're not going to have anything either unless, they, unless they, they hit the lotto or something. And that's what people think. They think, I guess I'm just doomed to fail. Uh, my, my, my father was a failure. He was an alcoholic. I, I guess I'm going to have to be an alcoholic too and struggle with that the rest of my life. Or we look at, you know, I, I, I guess that, you know, uh, I'm going to have to deal with the same junk over and over again because I've, you know, seen it in my parents' lives or in my grandparents' lives. And we make excuses and we just expect the worst. And we give up way, way too easy. We give up way too easy. And I know you guys have uh, seen things like that happen in the gym with a lot of people you train. When yeah, they, yeah, a, and, uh, and could you talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff that you guys see and, and some of the causes of that? Yeah. Uh, I found an interesting statistic this week. Um, and Rob and I kind of see this, but it was nice to see it on the Internet if it was true or not. I, I can say it's true, but... Uh, we have a lot of people coming in through our doors, into our office, saying, I want a personal trainer. I want to exercise. I want to change my life. But the reality is only 15% of these people are actually going to achieve that New Year's resolution to lose 15 pounds or, or to build muscle. You know, so this means 85% of us quit because we find an excuse not to be healthy. Either work and family get in the way or, or my personal favorite, the food doesn't taste good. Yeah, um, but here's what, what, what I tell my clients about excuses. Imagine your back is up against a brick wall. You can't turn around. You, you have no place to go. Uh, you can't choose left or right. You're stuck. You are at that spot, and you can't go anywhere. You don't get to choose to eat healthy. You don't get to choose not to exercise today or not. You don't have a choice because you're up against that brick wall. Uh, so... When you eliminate that, e that option to even choose, what, 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 else do you have up, what else do you have left? You exercise and eat right. Pretty easy. Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> that is the first challenge, actually, is figuring out, uh, well, realizing that there is no other choice. Um, once you start living that way, like Nikki said, that's exercise, eat right, uh, you start moving in the right direction. Uh, there will be more challenges, of course, but... Coming up to that challenge and realizing, hey, I'm going to do this no matter what. It, that's the way you got to go. I've been there. Pretty sure you've been there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's kind of like our walk with God where we realize that all along, all we have ever had is God. But sometimes we'll only depend on Him or lean on Him in our time of crisis when we feel like there's nowhere else to turn but God. And God's like, yeah. 
I, you should have been trusting me this whole time, you know. Instead, we have to wait till everything's falling apart, and we're freaking out because everything seems to be going wrong, and we go, oh, I need God in my life. He's like, you've always needed me. <laughs> always. It's, a, it's the same thing. There's no other option. We always need him in our lives and to help us to overcome. You, you know, there was a time when I wanted to give up or quit when things got hard. When I went to Anytime Fitness looking for a trainer, I was 275 pounds and almost 280 uh, at, at times it would fluctuate. And uh, I was size 42 in my waist. I had a very poor quality of life because of my choices. I couldn't run with my kids I, I, without you know, gasping for air. I couldn't you know, even do something as simple as going up and down my stairs. In my house, for real, guys, when I would go up my stairs, the first thing I would do was look for a place to sit down after I got through going upstairs because I, I was just so exhausted. I'm sitting there going, I'm 30 years old, and I'm gasping for air when I go up and, up and down stairs. That's, that's not right. I, I, I couldn't even do a push-up. Uh, I was just too weak. And because also uh, I had to push up, you know, 275 pounds with extremely weak arms, I, I couldn't do it. And I felt like a failure. I felt like I've let myself go physically to where I used to play basketball all the time. And I was just really athletic and used to play baseball. And, you know, when my son was first born, I was able to do things with him. And, you know, I, I, I used to enjoy uh, playing football when I was a youth pastor with the kids in my youth group. And, and I was like, there's no way I could get out there and run up and down a football field. And I'm going, that's, that's not the quality of life that I believe I want to have at 30 years old because these challenges that I was facing were much greater in my mind than the challenges that I was going to have to face to overcome all of that kind of stuff. So, you, you know, uh, they, when, when I started working out, it was hard. It was difficult. Believe you me, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. A lot of times, I wanted to think of that good excuse to not go in that day. You know what I'm saying? The, um, the cat got out of the house, and I had to chase him around to get him. Um, I didn't sleep really well last night, um, mainly because I was staying up watching TV and eating Cheetos, but I leave that part <laughs> out. Um, I, I don't feel well today, or, or maybe you were too stressed out because you had to deal with the kids, getting them ready to go to school, or maybe you were so busy. I'm so busy at work. I'm so busy. I got so much. I just don't, I, I don't have time. And, and man, it was a struggle, but I had to find my why. And my why was my health. It wasn't just weight loss. So what I want to ask you guys to kind of talk to us about is give us your philosophy on, um, on fitness and health and tell us why it should be important to us. Yeah. Uh, growing up, uh, my dad always told me, our bodies are our temple. We must honor, preserve, and take care of our temple. <laughs> okay, Dad. Roll my eyes, walk away. I never, I never thought much of it um, until I was 22 years old, sitting in a doctor's office, being told I have cancer. Dad's words really took hold at that point. Kind of was like, oh, darn it, he was right. <laughs> um, but... You know, I was just out of college, literally two weeks. I walked across the stage, got my diploma, and, and I was just starting my career. I was 22. I was just starting my life, and, and, and now I had, I had to battle cancer. Um, you know, and, and, and looking back on it, I always say, you know, it's kind of like God gave me, like, the ultimate final exam here. I, you know, I have a degree in exercise physiology, preventative medicine, therapeutic rehabilitation, things like that. And now it's like he's saying, you know what, you got to use your education to take care of your most dynamic client, and your most stubborn client, yourself. 
um, you know, I, I had to take all my uh, background in nutrition, you know, along with working with my doctor, but I had to take that education that I had to really get myself through that really hard time. And, and if you know anyone that's gone through it or, or if you've gone, gone through your, your battle with cancer, you know that there are times that you just want to throw in the towel and there are times that you just want to give up. Um, I've been there, I know it, but you know, our bodies are temple. You only get one, you, you only get one temple. So th that's really my philosophy. We, we only have one, and we have to take care of as best we can of, of what we have. Now, in, in today's culture, we all want to be a size six or you know, have muscles like Rob over here. Um, but you know, it's not about what you look like on the outside. It's about how you feel and how healthy you are on the inside. Yeah, um, I was pretty much in the same shoes as Derek. Uh, 250 pounds, couldn't make it up stairs. It was, that was a battle. <laughs> that was my first challenge. Um, and then noticing I, you know, my back was against the wall, I started going uh, the only way I could. And this led me to understand that uh, it's one thing to be healthy for yourself, but uh, you know, like Derek's got a family, kids. Uh, he wants to be there for them. So in the long run, it, it does end up being for more than just yourself. It, it's for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and what it also does is it, 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 it benefits us to be able to do what God has created us to do, you know, and to take care of ourselves. You know, uh, all those challenges and all the things that I went through, I, I started back in May really getting serious about it. And, and I'll tell you how I kind of found my, my reason, my why to keep moving because, you know, probably everybody in here at some point in their life has tried to, you know, work out or, or, or do something physically and, you know, and, uh, and we've tried and failed over and over again. I remember Danny Cahill last week saying that, you know, he, he calculated up, he had lost over a thousand pounds, you know, because he had started and stopped and gave up and quit and all those different times that he gave up. And I don't know how much weight I had lost, but it, it probably wasn't near that, but it was probably a lot more than I would like to admit. And I keep, kept giving up and here I'd finally made the decision to hire a personal trainer to help just give me that edge and help give me that help and that instruction, that motivation. And uh, I found myself about two months into it wanting to quit and wanting to give up. Uh, I knew that the money was still going to be drafted from my account every month, whether I quit or showed up, though. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, that was a motivator. But, uh, but I remember many times, because I, I didn't start out working out with Rob. I started out working out with a guy named Anthony for a few months before he got transferred to another anytime. And then Rob started working out, which I, I love Rob, and, and we love uh, Rob and Nikki both. I've worked out with both of them, actually, and they're both terrific. And I um, appreciate their commitment to us. But one of the things that happened when I was still working out with Anthony was uh, I, I walked in the gym, and I was just really discouraged. And I said, I don't want to work out right now. I need to sit down, and I need to talk. And so we sat down, and I said, I'm ready to quit. I, I've lost my reason to even want to do this anymore. I just, I, I'm getting to the point where I don't even care. I said, I, I'm, just, I'm just a real honest guy, and I'm going to be as transparent as I can be. And I said, listen, man, I, I just got to the place to where I just, I've lost my motivation, and I don't know how to get that back. And he said, well, listen, uh, he said, you need to find your reason for why you're doing this. And I told him, I said, well, listen, I said, I'm busy. I'm a pastor. I have to, ha I have six meetings just today. I, I have stuff I've got to do. Sometimes I get stressed out. Sometimes I have to deal with some very difficult situations and very difficult problems. I have a congregation to take care of and to love on and to help encourage and instruct. And yet at the same time, I wasn't encouraging and helping myself. 
and I was spinning myself and stretching myself extremely thin, and, and I was giving Anthony all of my laundry list of things of why I was ready to throw in the towel, and I was going to try to wiggle my way out of my contract. And Anthony told me, he said, Derek, he said, you need to find your reason to do something for yourself. He said, because you do and do and give and give to others. He said, you need to do something for yourself. He said, and make this time, you come in the gym, your time, where you unplug and you disconnect and you're here for you. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear at that moment. Because sometimes, guys, don't we do a lot of really good things for others but yet at the same time, we'll spin ourselves out of control and we'll wear ourselves thin. And oftentimes, we'll allow other people's issues to become our issues. Oh, I ain't talking to anybody in here today. <laughs> I must be talking to the church down the street or something. Uh, I, I, sometimes we allow other people's issues and problems to become our own because we get so attached to that that we, we can't unplug and we can't disconnect. And because of that, we, we use them as a crutch or an excuse for why we can't do things in our lives. Well, I, I could do better with my finances if I wasn't dealing with this. I could do better in my marriage if we didn't have to deal with this. I would do better in my walk with God if, if, if I didn't have to do this. I would be able to do this or do this if I didn't have this in my life. And we make all these excuses and all these crutches that we come to lean and to depend on that are actually hindering us from moving forward and, and, and overcoming and being the people that God has created us to be. We find all of these things that will just keep us back and we use those things as excuses. But he helped me to find that reason that day that I had to learn, listen, I have to do this for myself. Some of you might not have known that I've gotten up to 280 pounds because I hide weight really well because I'm kind of a big framed guy anyways. And I look a lot more intimidating than I am. That's true. <laughs> but Rob is every bit as intimidating as he looks. I don't know about that one. Matter of fact, Rob has giant forearms and I call him Popeye all the time. He's just... He opens up a can of spinach, and that guy will just start whipping it out. <laughs> but now, from May till now, I was in a size 42, and I weighed almost 280 pounds. Now I'm in a size 36 pants for the first time since I was in my 20s. And I have dropped over 30 pounds, and I can do plenty of push-ups now because Rob makes me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But I didn't quit. I didn't give up when it got too hard. And we still have other goals. I mean, we're, we're not done. It's not like, oh, yay, I can wear some, you know, tighter pants. Good for me. <laughs> and, and it's not over. I'm not going to say that's done because there's still other fitness goals, other things that we're wanting to achieve. It used to be a push-up because I used to have to do push-ups. Uh, they're called girl push-ups. But Nikki says it in a nice way. She calls them modified push-ups to help me feel better. No, I think... <laughs> Kind of making fun of you and all that. <laughs> there you go. They're modified. <laughs> Actually, it sounds more intense if you say it. I do modified push-ups. You just do regular push-ups. <laughs> but they're the push-ups you do on your knees. And that's where I had to start. And believe you me, when I was in the gym and I had to get on my knees and do push-ups at 30 years old, you don't think I had to swallow some pride to make that happen? Buddy, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't lift a lot of weight. I couldn't, you know, do a lot of those things. But now, 
I can do those things because, was it hard? Did I want to give up? Absolutely. That was a victory for me, just being able to do a push-up. I remember the first time that I did a push-up like, you know, a, a regular push-up. I, I told uh, Anthony, who was training me at that time, I told him, I said, this is the first push-up I've done in probably 10, 15 years because that's how weak I got because I'd let myself go physically. Because having the type of job that I have, it's not very physically demanding. And a lot of my jobs are eating meetings. Let's just be honest here. You know? <laughs> hey, come and meet me over lunch. Come and meet me over a cup of coffee, you know, where there's sugary snacks and all these other things that we can eat while we drink our sugary coffee. And, and you live that mm -hmm. lifestyle and you get so busy and you get wrapped up that you lose sight. And the next thing you know, you can't walk up the stairs and you're 30 years old and you're going, what in the world is happening? You can't run, your kids want to go run around the yard and, and you take about 20 steps and you're ready to go back inside. Buddy, I'll tell you, it's, it, it, it's a wake-up call. But, you know, here's the thing that is so great about having Rob and Nikki in our lives is that we don't have to endure alone. And I thought that's the same principle you and I need to take away from the Scripture is that we don't have to endure the things that we're going through and the challenges and the obstacles that we're facing alone. Amen, somebody? We don't have to go through this thing alone. That's the biggest trick of the enemy. He wants you to feel like you're all alone. He wants you to feel isolated. He wants you to feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through, dealing with what you're dealing with. And it's just a big fat lie because he's wanting to keep you from moving forward. Let me show you something in Scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Let me set this up a little bit for you. In Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul is writing this letter, the book of Philippians, to the church at Philippi. And he's writing this letter because they had graciously been blessing Paul's ministry with items and monetary gifts and things like that. And now all of a sudden they're going through some difficulty and they're not able to send Paul as much, uh, uh, as many supplies and monetary gifts as they used to be able to do. And so he addresses that here in the book of Philippians in the fourth chapter in the 10th verse. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. He said, listen, guys, I understand you care about me. You just didn't have the opportunity to be able to give me what you've given me in the past. And I appreciate what you've given me in the past. He said, so I, I know it's be not because you didn't care. And then verse 11, he said, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state that I am to be content. So Paul's saying, listen, I'm not speaking to you guys or writing you this letter because of need. I'm not telling you this to try to, you know, coax you into giving me something. I'm letting you know I appreciate what you've done and I understand that you don't have the opportunity to do what you did at one time. But I'm not talking to you about need. I've learned to be content. And then he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He said, listen guys, I'm Paul. I was chained up in prison with Silas and I learned how to sing worship songs to God while in chains in prison. I learned how to do that. I learned how to abound when I was free and I used to sit at the tables of kings and chieftains and I was somebody in the community. I, I learned how to do that. I've learned how to survive after a shipwreck and after being ostracized by all those who used to uh, be my friends and want to hang out with me and used to think I was the greatest and now they're after my life. I, I've learned how to live up here, but yet I've learned how to live down here and I've learned how to be content. So I'm, I'm not concerned about what you can or can't do for me because I've learned how to be a base and I've learned how to bound. And then he says something next. In verse 13, he says, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, how many times have you heard, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but you never heard all the other? 
a lot of times we'll just grab that out of there and we won't look at the context and what Paul is sharing that in. He's not just saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and I can climb up on the roof of this building and jump off and fly in the air like a bird. You want to go try that? You want to go up there and you want to jump off? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ka-ka! <laughs> you're going to go splat. And when you're in the hospital, I'll come and visit you and I'll pray for you that God will deliver you from the demon of stupid. <laughs> Because that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying I can do anything like I can run like the flash and all this goofy stuff. He's saying, listen, the reason I can endure these things and the reason that I've learned how to handle success and the reason that I have learned how to be a base and even worship God and serve God in my poverty, the reason I can do all these things is not because I'm so great or because I'm so spiritual. He said, but yet it's my purpose, it's my why that causes me to continue to not quit, to not give up, and that's Christ. It's Christ who gives me the strength. And because of that, I can go through anything. I can do all things, not because I'm so great, but because God is so great and Christ is so great on the inside of me. And I don't have to endure this alone. I don't have to go through what I'm going through alone. When, I'm being, when I was shipwrecked and I was holding on to that crate and I was floating into the shore, I wasn't alone. I might have looked alone, but Christ was giving me the strength to be able to make it. When I was dealing with that problem in my marriage, I may have felt all alone. I may have felt like nobody cared or no one was aware of my situation, but Christ did. He cares. He knows what's going on, and he'll give you the strength to endure, to keep moving forward, to get out of the mess that you might be in. You don't have to endure whatever financial problem you may be facing or issues with your children or with your family or at work. You don't have to go through it alone, even though you may feel alone, even though that the enemy wants you to feel like you're the only one dealing with it. Through Christ, I can do all things. And I, not only can I do all things and endure, but I can overcome and walk in victory. Amen, somebody? Because I recognize I'm not alone, and I begin to see myself like God sees me, and I begin to understand how much He loves me and exactly what He's done for me. You know... When you feel that pressure or you know that something has to change in your life, oftentimes we'll lose hope because we think we have to be perfect for everything to be better in our lives. We think that we think to get out of this situation would take a miracle. And so instead of making progressive steps, instead of doing what God is telling us to do and move forward and, and taking our lives and aligning our lives with His Word, instead of doing that, we just sit by and we sit back and we go, oh, I just hope God just... It does a miracle because, boy, it takes a miracle to get me out of this mess. Well, well, you have to take a step. You have to stop making excuses and stop waiting on someone else to bail you out. You have to make a step. That's called faith, folks, right? Because we can't just be hearers of the word. The Bible says when we're just hearers, we deceive ourselves. But it says also for us to be what? Doers of the word. We have to do it. We have to apply it in our lives. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of head knowledge and we're just a bunch of smart, educated people that are living defeated. When God wants us to live victorious and walk in peace and walk in love and walk in joy, walk in the fullness of His grace. And here we are struggling because we don't understand, but yet we have all this head knowledge and it's no good to us. But we have to start somewhere. We have to do something. And, and Nikki, when we went out to lunch the other day, my wife and I took Rob and Nikki out to lunch, which is the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> you want to do something scary? Take your personal trainer out to lunch. <laughs> what will you have, sir? 
Oh, I should have let them go first. Um, I'll have a bottle of water and a side of air. And I'll be good. Supersize that. Yes. Um, I, I mean, you know, that was so nerve-wracking. But no, we had a good chat, and uh, we were kind of talking about what we were going to discuss this weekend. And uh, man, Nikki said something that just really hit me. She was talking about the power of taking that step, that first step, and making that step a habit. And so, talk to the folks about that for yeah, just a minute. Yeah, um, I talk a lot um, to all my clients about the power of one good habit. They all look at me oddly, and then I continue. Um, I, I ask my clients, "So you want to lose weight? Yeah, yeah. You want to lose weight by this date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay." So do you, in six months after that, do you want to gain it all back? And they go, are you nuts? <laughs> no, no one. You, you don't plan on, on making these changes. You don't plan on taking that step only to take two steps back. That, that makes no sense. You know, and, and it, it isn't even weight loss. You know, if you want to reduce your medications or prevent the progression of disease, you know, it's about keeping the pounds off, keeping the medication off forever for the rest of your life. You know, and in order to achieve these lifelong goals, you know, you have to develop good, healthy habits that are easy to follow every day. You know, um, you, Rob and I see this a lot at, at the gym. Well, you're telling me I got to exercise, I got to drink water, I got to eat vegetables, I got to eat fruit, I can't have carbs, I need to eat lean meats. The laundry list becomes overwhelming. So I say the power of one good habit, pick one of those from that laundry list. It takes 21 days to make a habit. It's not even a month, folks. You know, pick one and focus on that for the next 21 days. And I can promise you that by the end of 21 days, you're going to be drinking water like you breathe, like you don't even realize you're doing it. You know, you're choosing fruits and vegetables over those potato chips, but you don't even realize you're doing it. And that's what I love about the power of one good habit is the simplicity of it is amazing. Um, losing weight is hard, very, very hard. So Rob and I, we try to find ways to make it the easiest thing possible. Trust me, I like to get from A to B without zigzagging in between. So, you know, eating right and exercising every day doesn't have to be a struggle. Small steps are going to bring great success. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. you have anything to add on that, Rob? Uh, yeah. Uh, Derek and I have, uh, we started our, our first step that power one was uh going from two times a week to three times a week yep uh and then after that we added instead of seeing me three times a week also on, on your off days or not in the gym add more cardio exercise yep. and uh you know after that we're, we're going into another one but as soon as we get the cardio down that's that's our step we made it you know so now we start just like the push-up yep yep and now we're we're, we're working on the pull-ups and all that stuff oh yeah that not the little kid underpants um the <laughs> too bad we don't have a pull-up bar yeah exactly yeah right <laughs> but you know um sometimes that we feel like when we're not perfect that we feel like maybe god is mad at us we feel like god doesn't love us or maybe god loves someone else more than he loves me you know, uh, because maybe uh, we, we, I feel that pressure when I'm not that perfect spouse or I feel that pressure when I'm not the perfect money manager or that perfect parent or the perfect employee, that perfect Christian even. And we feel like somehow we have lowered ourselves in God's eyes to where now he doesn't like us as much as he likes someone else. Well, God, God must really like pastors a lot, you know, I mean, because they, they preach and they teach. Yeah, you know what? God loves me just as much as he loves you. 
You know that? I don't think you know that. I'm going to say it again. I, I said I, God loves me just as much as he loves you. I, I don't get any special stars by my name because I'm a pastor. God doesn't love me anymore, won't answer my prayers any more quickly, than he'll answer yours. It's just not the way it works, folks. I'll tell you, God loves you. I, I, I'm first and foremost, before I'm ever even a pastor, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of the King. And we all that follow Christ and that we all profess him as Lord and Savior, we're all children of the King, and we don't have to endure this alone. We don't have to feel like we're alone. We don't have to feel like we're second class. There's no such thing as a, as a second class Christian. You know that? You, you know, oh, let me just get real with you. You guys need me to get real with you for a minute. I, c- I can feel it. <laughs> you, you know, that's right. That, it, it's stand up and take off my glasses. Those oh, are the geez. two things oh, that mean no. I'm getting serious. If I take off my glasses, they know I'm for real. Like, for real, for real. So I'll go ahead and take them off because I'm for real, for real. <laughs> Listen, you know when you go to the post office... And if you want to get something there, and it's a special package, what do you do? You slap first class on it. You want it to be first class. If you don't really care and you want to get by the cheapest way you can get, what do you do? Bulk rate, right? Media mail, lowest post. I don't care if you bounce it around. I don't care if it bounces around. I don't care if you play football with it. It doesn't matter. I, I, I'm paying media mail for it. It's, it's the cheapest of the cheap. Let me tell you, sometimes the enemy will try to make you feel like you're not a first-class citizen in heaven. He'll try to make you feel like you're a bulk-rate Christian because I blew it, I messed up, I'm not doing as good as someone else, or I'm not a pastor, or I'm not a preacher, or maybe I'm not as spiritual as someone is or as, so, or, or as someone appears to be. I'm not as good of a parent as they appear to be. Boy, they look like they got their lives all together. Let me tell you, there's no such thing as a bulk-rate Christian. Find me chapter and verse in the Bible and you will change my mind. But there is not a bulk-rate Christian. There is not a second-class citizen in God's eyes. When you are in Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Not some things, not a few things, not the convenient things. He said all things have become new. It's us that has the problem because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We still see ourselves as someone who may be an addict or someone who made mistakes or someone who has a past or has a history or someone maybe who is still continuing to struggle with something in our lives and we feel like we're no good down, uh, you know, just rotten and dirty and we feel like we're worthless. But folks, let me tell you, it's not through our works. It's through faith in Jesus Christ and trusting that what he did on the cross by dying for our sins and accepting and living under his love and his grace that's what makes us good not us jesus in us that's what makes us good the bible said it's not of works otherwise you could boast about it and you could say look at me but you can't because no matter how good you try to be it'll never be good enough it'll never be good enough only thing that can make you good enough is Jesus Christ. And because of his love and because of his grace and because of his mercy, it causes us to want to move forward and, and better our lives. And it enables us to be overcomers over the junk that, that life throws at us because of Jesus. We get to overcome because of Jesus because he's already overcome. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. And now you and I, we can overcome in this life. And guess what? We even get to overcome death because we get to be with him when we die. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, understanding who we are in Christ, understanding how much he loves us, understanding the why to overcome. 
We feel like we're failures when we don't measure up to others' accomplishments or their appeared level of spirituality. But let me tell you something this morning, folks. You are not a failure. You may be a Christian who fails, but you are not a failure. Oh, I, I, somebody didn't hear me today. <laughs> you may be a Christian who fails or makes mistakes, but you're not a failure. You're a son and daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who you are. And until you begin to see yourself like that, you will always feel like God hates you and does not like you and like you're not good enough. Remember, the only thing that made you good enough is Jesus. So I want to identify my life with him and stop getting my identity all wrapped up in my struggles and my past and my mistakes. Otherwise, I'll never overcome. And I'll never overcome because I don't have a why. I don't have a reason. All I know is that I guess I'm supposed to do it because uh, somebody told me I was supposed to. No, I'm going to overcome because Christ has already overcame. And I want to live my life for Him in a way that would please Him in every way. You don't have to endure what you're going through alone. It's time to stop making excuses. And like Nikki said, it's time to start making a step. Never underestimate the significance of a step. Never. Never underestimate the significance of a step. It may not be a big thing. It may be moving from a girl push-up to a regular push-up. But it's a step. In the right direction. Amen, somebody? You see, when Rob would ask me to do that, you know, uh, I, I would have to do them on my knees at times because I couldn't push up all that. Not anymore. That's right. Not anymore. Do we need proof? Oh, boy. They need proof. They, yeah, they need proof. Now, now they're listening. Now they're yeah. listening. Wow. <laughs> do I? <laughs> yeah. You got it. Th- thanks, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Here you go. Just one, one, two, one, two, one, two, two, one, 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 two, there's the, the lighter weights that are on the top that go all the way to 50 pounds, and then it starts at 55 on the bottom and goes all the way up to 100. 100. And now we're uh, moving to the bottom rack, and that's a big deal. And that was a big deal for you, and you shared oh, yeah. that story with me, and that helped me. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it, you, you forget about all the masculinity in the gym. It's not about how much you lift. It's, it's about right. how hard you push. Yep. And, uh, that's good. That, that's a step for you, you, you know, even though it technically it would be a step down, but it's a step up because you're moving up in weight. You're moving up. Uh, towards your goals. You're, you're able to get where you're planning to get. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe you guys need to put the heavier weights on the top. Maybe. <laughs> but you know, another thing that I learned from Rob and Nikki is that muscle grows after you've broken it down and after you've stretched it out. There's an exercise that uh, Rob and I do where I'm on an incline uh, bench and uh, I, I take some dumbbells and I, and, and I just, you know, pull them out to the side and then pull them back up, bring them back up. And when I do that, Rob, he tells me, he, he says, I want you to, to stretch that out. He said, don't, you know, don't carelessly let it, you know, fall down because that momentum that you could actually injure yourself. He said, you need to, in a controlled movement, he's very big about making sure my movements are correct and controlled and that my posture's right and all the good stuff. And, uh, and, and so when I'm out like this, he said, let, let that stay there for just a second to get that stretch in and then bring it back up. And when he said that, I started thinking about that uh, because of what it does to the muscle. What, uh, share with the folks what, what, uh, what that does to your muscle and how that stuff grows. Yeah. As you're, as you're stretching that out, you know, and just through strength training alone, you're, you're kind of breaking that muscle down and stretching it out. But from that, you're building muscle. Um, your, your muscles are actually getting stronger. 
um, so that you'll be able to move to the bottom rack. And the more muscle you have, the stronger your muscles are, the more fat you will burn. Um, even outside of your workout, you know, your muscles are still burning fat and using calories. So through that stretching out, through that breaking down of that muscle, you're becoming stronger to burn more fat. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I kind of put it in a familiar stance uh, to, you know, it's familiar to everybody. In order for new muscle to grow, there's got to be space for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know that for sure. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it, the, where I'm going is something you can finish. Uh, yeah. Because in order to let something in, there's got to be room for it. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, the, just the, the biblical principle that I grabbed out of this when, when I learned about the way that our bodies work is that God is teaching us even through the way that our bodies uh, are, are made. You know, the Bible even talks about that. The Bible says that creation will talk about, you know, uh, the evidence of God. And it's even through creation of our bodies and how our bodies work. And, and when you are lifting weights, like Nikki and Rob said, you're breaking down that muscle. You're stretching that out. You're making more room. But when the muscle grows is not when you're lifting the weights. It's when you rest after you've broken those things down. And I begin to think, man, there's, there's a sermon and a half in that. Let me tell you. I'll preach the half one day, but right now this is the full sermon. But, but I thought, you know, that, that's exactly what happens in our lives. We get stretched out. It hurts. It stinks. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. Our body screams during that time. But yet when we rest, because of the stretching, we're able to grow. And I begin to think, man, isn't that how it works? When you and I go through a trial or a struggle or we go through something in our life and it stretches us beyond what's comfortable, it stretches us beyond what's easy, beyond what maybe even our normal routine in. But, but if we'll stretch that out and then we'll rest and trust in God, that's where we grow. Because we learn that God is good. We learn that God is faithful. We learn that if he said it in his word, that he really does mean it. And we trust in that. And we go, you know what? I'm going to trust in God even though I'm in the middle of this challenge, even though I'm in the middle of this stretch, even though I'm in the middle of this trial or this challenge. And when I learn to trust God, all of a sudden I can rest because I know that my efforts are not in vain. I know I'm moving step in step with God and I'm trusting him moving forward. And when I rest, guess what happens? I get the peace of God that passes my understanding. It guards my heart and my mind. The joy of the Lord, all of a sudden it becomes my strength. All of a sudden I understand what it means to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can rest because I can trust that where I'm going and what I'm doing, that God is working all of those things together for my good. And I can grow in that. I can grow in it because I know God's faithful and He's good. Amen? Amen. And, and I grow when I rest. When I rest in the fact that I understand that God is good, that His grace is sufficient for me, that I understand that He is a good God, that He's faithful, when I rest in that, buddy, let me tell you, I'll grow. I'll grow. Have any of you ever been through anything in this room and come out on the other end because of God's faithfulness? Let me see your hand. God's been faithful to me in my life. Let me tell you, when, when it, it, sure, it's easy when everything gets worked out, but you know that part that I'm talking about when you get to, to where you don't really have clear vision that it is all going to work out, but you just know that God's on your side and you rest in that? You don't see the end result actually coming to fruition yet, but you go, you know what? God's got this, and I'm going to trust Him. And then you come out on the other side, and you're like, boy, God sure is good, but He was good to me back then when I was still trusting in Him when it didn't look like there was a way. The Bible says He'll make a way where there's no way, right? See, God is even showing us in His creation 
that how when we get weary and worn, that he still can make that way. So let me ask you guys, as trainers, how do you help people to find their why to overcome, their reason for keep coming back and, and, and putting us through the things that you put us through? Why, how do you help people find that? This is the most difficult part of our job. I can tell anyone to do push-ups all day long, but, um, but we really have to get to know and understand our clients on their deepest levels. And that means we dig, we ask a lot of hard questions that our clients don't want to hear, but they need to answer, or you're going to do 50 more squats till I get the answer. <laughs> um, squats, squats. <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of times, these answers, they're, they're admitting to something that they've really haven't admitted to ever, <laughs> you know. Um, and a lot of times they feel down. They feel like they're not perfect. Um, they feel like they're pointing fault at themselves. And, and this is a really emotional um, part of our job. You know, oftentimes clients cry um, and then I smile. <laughs> um, but and doesn't mean I'm a mean person. Apparently people are getting this impression that I like to make people cry and that I'm mean. I am not a mean person, I promise. Um, but, but you know, when, when they answer and they, and they start to cry or they tear up and, Nikki, I'm just not good enough, you know what? I grin because I know that this is gonna change them. This is where that lifelong change that I want them to make is gonna happen and it's gonna start at that very moment, you know? My clients are feeling broken, defeated, and weak, but I always tell them, you know what? Right now, you're at your strongest, and you will accomplish what you want to accomplish because you're going to remember this moment, and it's going to motivate you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Nikki and I are really good at putting personal in personal training. Uh, I've said it to Derek before, especially now that we got this uh, new system. I can check on every single thing he does during the day, uh, whether it's food intake or exercise. Uh, not because I'm peeking in your window. Yeah, whatever. I've seen your little <laughs> <Sure>. mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I actually just thought about this, too. Uh, one of the things, my favorite things, you said it's a little uncomfortable bringing us you know, out to eat. Uh, it's the funniest thing to catch someone in the grocery store, especially one of your clients, because... <laughs> They'll be walking with their cart, and as soon as they see you, they'll let go of their cart and just kind of stand <laughs> in the cart and just keep going. <laughs> it's like, oh, nice. uh, you know, what do you got in your cart? And, <clears throat> you know, depending on what you see, you just kind of look around and be like, uh, now, why are you health and fitness? What are you doing? Uh, what the, those donut holes? Really? <laughs> uh, so, you know. And they say because they're delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but th those are the kind of things we end up knowing about you to, to help you find out why. Right. Uh, there's much more to life than just nutrition. Mm -hmm. It's, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Overall health. And, you know, here's the thing, folks, is that purpose and worth are the why. You, you, you've got to find purpose in life. You've, you've got to find worth. You've got to find out that you're worth something. You've got to find out that you do have a purpose. That God knew the thoughts and plans that he had for you before you were ever even formed in your mother's womb. That's what he told Jeremiah. And he didn't like Jeremiah any more than he likes any one of us. He knew the thoughts and the plans that he had for you. He knew, that, he, he knew the purposes that he had for you. God has a purpose for your life. 
Paul found that purpose. He found that purpose in Jesus Christ. And it motivated him to the fact that he said, I'm going to press on towards the mark. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to endure. I'm not going to give up because I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if it's easy and I'm not facing any persecution, great, wonderful. I can handle that. If everybody's saying, Paul's the best in the world, that's great. But if everybody's slandering my name, if everybody's chasing after me, wanting to see me fail, guess what? I can handle that too because I can do all those things because it's Christ that motivates me. It's Christ that gives me the strength. It's Christ that is my purpose and that's at my core of why I do what I do. That's my purpose. That's why I can keep on going because it's Christ that gives me strength. And because of that strength, I can have joy. I can have peace even in the middle of adversity, even in the middle of the storm. I can have peace. I can have that comfort and that joy because I know that I'm not alone. Amen, somebody? You see, Paul found that purpose, and you can too. But the temptation is to feel worthless. The temptation is to make excuses. The temptation is to blame everyone and everything for why you can't move forward in your life. That's the temptation. But if you're ever going to allow God to truly make all things new, it starts with a step. It starts with trusting that you were worth dying on a cross for. It, trusts, it starts with you making that one right decision. It starts with you beginning to see yourself like God sees you. It begins with seeing yourself the way God wants to see you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. Not some things. All things. And you have to learn to rest in that and identify with that. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. It will make all things new. But you can't continue to see yourself the way that you used to be you can't keep holding on to that bitterness and that unforgiveness or that hurt or that pain it'll always be a stumbling block for you the rest of your life God wants you to find freedom the Bible says that they that will know the son they will know that he will set them free and if the son has made you free then you're going to be what free indeed you're going to be free indeed. Said so you'll know him. You'll know his truth. You'll know his love. You'll know his mercy. You'll know his forgiveness. And because of that, it's going to set you free. It's going to set you free from all those things that have tried to just drag you down and hold you back and keep you from pressing on and moving forward. Whether it's in your health, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your everyday life, whether it's in your job, whether it's in moving forward, it doesn't matter what it is. So I want you to bow your head this morning. I want to ask you something before we go. I want to ask you, maybe you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor Derek, I hear you talking about making all things new and seeing myself like God sees me. And I struggle with that because I feel like I'm worthless. I don't feel like God loves me. Well, let me tell you something. He does love you. He died on the cross. He sent his son to die on the cross for you to forgive you of your sin and to make all things new. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Derek, I'm ready to accept that. I'm ready to welcome Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life and make him the Lord, make him the leader of my life. I'm going to let him call the shots, make the decisions in my life and tell me how to live my day-to-day -day life so I can be an overcomer, so I can walk with that peace and that joy, so I can learn what it means to endure, so I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you're here in this place, you say, Pastor Derek, I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I just want you to let me know you're here by lifting your hand and putting it back down. I see that hand. I see that hand see those hands all over this room you can put your hands down oh thank you Jesus 
hands lifted all over this room today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You are worth something. You are worth dying for. And even if I didn't see your hand, that's, that's not what's important. What's important is that God sees your hand because he looks right through us and sees our heart. And if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus Christ today, I want you to say this prayer after me in church. If you would just help us pray by repeating this prayer, say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart to be the leader, to be the Lord, to be the Savior that I need. Forgive me of my sin. Make me right with God. I trust that what you did on the cross was good enough to make me good enough in the eyes of God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for setting me free. I'm going to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look up here if you would. If you said that prayer today, listen to me. I want you.